Lawsuits abound in the battlegrounds. Arizona back in play. Georgia down to the wire. Pennsylvania ballot battle rages on. And the National Guard called into Portland. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. You think I can speak for three hours without a phone call. Try doing that sometime. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome, friends, to the Buck Sexton Show. We are in it. We are in the fight, as expected. Here we are trying to figure out who the next president of the United States will be days after the election. Now, we all remember what happened in 2000. That stretched on for weeks into January. But this feels quite a bit different, doesn't it? There's social media that shows all kinds of possible fraud going on. In fact, if you look online, you'll see people sharing what seems to be documents, evidence proving that there are dead people who somehow voted in Michigan. Or unless you really think there are 120, 130 year olds who are voting in that state. That there are ballots that magically appear at just the right moment and a not just majority, but 80, 90, maybe even 100 percent of them go for Joe Biden. It has yet to be the case from what I've seen that there's been a single instance of magically found ballots that all go for Trump. And we are supposed to believe this is all a coincidence. In fact, what we are told now by the Democrats is respect the system, obey what the people in charge tell you to do. Don't question. Don't undermine. This is about our sacred democracy. Oh, so they're accusing us of being conspiracy theorists. What they're saying is that you have no evidence for this. The problem is that we do have evidence. And the additional problem is that we can also deduce. We can also analyze. We can look at the trends and see a clear pattern. And it's really the other side that is asking conspiracies to be believed. This is all just happenstance. This is just always going in one direction, kind of like the polls that we saw. They were all skewed toward Joe Biden. Why would that be the case? Gee, I don't know. But now you're hearing these exhortations. You're you're having these appeals to good faith and decency for the sake of our democracy. That's what they're telling us, the Democrats. And to that, I say, this is war, friends. And we are wartime conservatives. That's what they haven't recognized about the Trump movement. We tried the other way. We tried the we'll take the higher road. We'll be gentle in our political battles and and always appeal to the other side in the hopes that maybe they'll start reading Friedrich Hayek and learn about the road to serfdom. Maybe they'll start picking up some Milton Friedman or I don't know, John Locke or you name it, political philosophy that's not Karl Marx. Maybe they'll just open their minds a little bit and they'll see the error of their collectivist scorched earth tactics in politics. That was a fantasy. We saw it with Trump. We saw it for many of us as a result of the effort to destroy Brett Kavanaugh, one of the most grotesquely horrific character assassination campaigns I've ever seen. 
And the only people that were a part of it were either completely immoral or absolute morons. There is no third option. They knew or they should have known that there was no evidence, no corroboration and no sane reason to believe that Brett Kavanaugh was any of the things he was accused of during that confirmation battle in 2018. But we saw that they, the left, did not care. It didn't matter. They engaged in a ritualized torture session on live TV in front of millions of Americans, all for the benefit of their own power. It didn't stop them one bit that they were ruining a good man, a husband, a father, a great legal jurist, somebody who should be elevated in our society. They tried to destroy because he stood in the way of what they wanted. And then there's Trump. What is Trump's? Magic power. What's his X factor? How is he different than what we've seen before in the Republican Party? When they play these games, when the media says these are the rules that we've established, I don't mean constitutional rules or laws. I mean, rules of the road of conduct in politics, of how you get to talk to the media, of how you get to respond to your critics in the Democrat Party. Trump looks at them and says, no. Not going to play the game by the rules that not only you make, but that you constantly change on a whim. Libs, not going to do it. And I'm going to give back everything you give to me and then some. You're going to slap me. I'm going to throw a punch. You're going to try to ambush me. I'm going to come around on your flank and finish you off. That's the Trump approach to politics. And that's why he has started a movement. Because it is the other side, don't ever forget this, it is the left that has broken norms. It is the left that for four years lied about the President of the United States being a traitor, being a Russian asset, a pawn of the Kremlin, who stole a U.S. presidential election. For four years they used this as a club against Trump and all of his supporters, and they were serious. They weren't just saying this in the newspapers. They got a special counsel investigation. They wanted prison sentences for Trump, his family members, his advisors, based on a lie. A lie that, again, only the dishonest or the dumb as dirt could believe. And now they want to talk to us about not believing conspiracy theories. Now the left thinks the Democrat Party believes they're going to get away with lecturing us about good faith. This is laughable, friends. I can't guarantee you that we will achieve victory in this battle. I can't tell you what the outcome will be at this stage. But I do know that moral appeals from our political opponents who have completely absolved themselves of any morality or dignity in the way they conduct their politics when the stakes are really high. That should not influence your thinking in the least. Do you really believe it's an accident that right now the tech giants, the tech oligarchs are limiting what you're allowed to see are throttling or shadow banning or just straight up blocking people like me from being able to reach you and share information with you? You think that they hadn't thought about this beforehand? Remember, in 2016, Google and Facebook, these companies had to have adult cry sessions after Trump beat Hillary Clinton. You think they've got a different mentality now? No. In fact, when they would return to, you know, the the Bay Area or Brooklyn or wherever their 
online engineers and social media influencers and all the rest of them live when they when they would go among their peer group. They were the the targets of scorn. Why didn't you do more? Why wouldn't you guys block all the fake news? How'd you let Russia buy those few ads on Facebook? That must have thrown the election. You guys didn't do enough. It's your fault. Trump won. You don't think that had an impact? You really think that the CEOs of any of these companies are willing to stand up to the woke? That they're willing to stand up to the people in their midst who are absolutists and seek the destruction of anybody who does not share their every ideal and plan? Friends, we are in a battle for control of the presidency, but also for the future of this country with a Democrat party that has embraced an ideology of leftist totalitarianism. They don't have the power yet to be fully tyrannical, and I'm not saying they do. But their ideology leads down a pathway to that, and the incrementalism that they constantly show us indicates that that's what they're trying to do. That's what they want to accomplish. So when they turn around with a smile on their face and say, come on, everybody, Let's let the networks call these races in these battleground states. Let's not let's not spread disinformation about the outcome of this election. This is about our sacred democracy. The founding fathers are watching us and they would want the system to work. I look at them and I want to respond. And I do. I thought the founding fathers were a bunch of old dead white racists. Now you're going to cite the founding fathers in some kind of emotional appeal to make me stand back and not question the obvious fraud. That's right. Fraud that is occurring in this election. Friends, it would be mind blowing if there wasn't fraud going on in this election. You really think that one hundred and sixty million votes are out there and they're all uh, signed by the person that cast the vote? handed in by the deadline, somebody who actually lives in the state or is registered in the state properly. You really think that's the case? Of course not. So what's the problem with trying to ensure the greatest degree of accuracy and veracity of all this voting? Well, we all know the problem. Democrats play games and cheat and lie. We see it with Russia collusion. We saw it with Kavanaugh. We see it with Hunter Biden and the suppression of that laptop right before the election. The lies about Trump saying that he doesn't respect the military. How many more examples do I have to go through? The lie that that Trump said there were good people on both sides referring to neo-Nazis. How many times do they have to show you that they have the brass knuckles on and have broken the glass bottles in half and are coming for you before we as conservatives decide it's time for a palm strike to the nose. Metaphorically speaking. How many times, friends? We know who they are. We know what they're trying to do. I can't guarantee you that there will be victory, but I can guarantee you that unless we adopt the posture of wartime conservatism, that is one of the great gifts of the Trump movement, That mentality, that sensibility, that belief that we do have to fight, that it's not just going to happen. It's not going to be handed to us if we play nice with the other side. If we abandon that at this juncture, Biden will be the next president of the United States. That I'm certain of. 
The other option, the other option, friends, is to dig in and fight in every way that we can. Shields high. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Only three presidential campaigns in the past have defeated an incumbent president. When it's finished, God willing, we'll be the fourth. This is a major achievement. This is a major achievement. Hopefully, there's still only three. (laughs) Hopefully, Joe Biden is not able to, to be added to that list. But as I was saying to you, we better understand what the other side's mentality is here. And that's what I want. I want to be vocalizing as much as possible, because if if we fall into this complacency where we think, oh, conservatives, for example, we don't riot, we don't loot. So nobody has to worry about conservatives doing that. So maybe the other side won't do that either. No, Democrats, Biden voters loot and riot and burn things down and do crazy stuff. We know this. It's consistent. They won't get rid of it. They won't uh, condemn it. So we're not the same. Our approach, our mentality is not the same. We're, we're not on the on the even level playing field in terms of ethics. We're not on an even playing field in terms of what. And remember, they, the Democrats love to say that their problem is they don't fight hard enough. Uh, I, I think that the Trump administration that was completely uh, you know, ambushed with the Mueller probe would disagree. I think they disagree that the lies the media perpetuated to get that probe started and then continued on without any evidence, without any real support for it. I think that shows that, no, they're willing to do whatever the heck they have to do at any cost, at any price. They want to win. They want power. Think about the things that you're hearing from Democrats, the rhetoric that they use. Trump is a fascist, they say. Trump is trying to destroy our democracy. Trump is a is a threat to the very sanctity of our institutions. And this, you know, is not a few people. This is not a fallacy of composition. I'm not elevating somebody from nowhere and saying, look at what this person they do that. You know, every four years when there's a presidential election, we have to hear that David Duke has voted for the Republican. And every Republican I know is like the Klan is a bunch of abject loser morons that barely exists anymore. Thank God. And they're disgusting and they're worthy of being spit on, although I don't condone assaulting people. But you know what I'm saying? This is this is nonsense. This is nonsense. Uh, And yet. Did you hear that Richard Spencer, the uh, noted white nationalist, voted for Joe Biden, apparently? No, you didn't hear that. Why? Because it didn't help the media narrative. And I could sit here and say he probably did it so that people would talk about him and that that guy's a scumbag. And who cares? Right. Because it doesn't it doesn't really mean anything because the guy's a loser. But those are the games that they play. They elevate that which does not matter if it helps them. And they suppress that which could matter. And you saw this with the Hunter Biden laptops. Right? They are dishonest constantly absolutely constantly dishonest and now i'm warning you they're going to appeal to your your honesty right remember that great quote from frank herbert children of dune 
uh, the from the sci-fi novel. You know, when I am weak, I ask for freedom because it is according to your rules. When I am strong, I take your freedom because it is according to my rules. That if you're trying to understand the Democrat political mentality in one phrase, that's the collectivist Democrat authoritarian model. That's one of the more brilliant phrases I can think of. That's what they're doing right now. Come on, guys, let's just let every vote should be counted. Every vote should be counted, they keep saying. What about illegal votes? Should those votes be counted? Ah, but the slogan just drowns out all these questions. What about any voter integrity issues? What about ballots that aren't really filled out properly? Or, you know, they checked my signature against the signature they had on file when I went to vote. If people didn't sign their ballots, are we to say that that doesn't matter anymore? The rules don't matter. You know, there are all kinds of rules out there. Why do we even just allow voting for citizens? Uh, Other people are human beings, too. Well, because we have laws and because we've agreed on these things. But, you know, you could make the whole system arbitrary if you want to. Why have laws at all about voting? You know, free for all. Whoever shows up, 10 year olds, you know, foreign nationals, who cares? Show up, vote, right? No, we have age restrictions, residency restrictions. We have a system in place and the system does not matter unless the rules are adhered to and enforced. And that's the part of it that they want to leave off the table. They want this to be a free for all because they know in the aggregate there are more ideological warriors on the left who are willing to go to the mat and do stuff that is shady and or illegal to win this election. And they're going to keep looking at you and saying, hold on, hold on. Let's respect the process. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. We just want to see that every vote is counted. And then the moment that you point out that 5000 ballots were found in a dumpster all for Joe Biden, they'll say suppress that block him. Come on, Twitter. Come on, Facebook. Shut him down. Shut him down. Oh, I thought this was all about our sacred democracy. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's let me be abundantly clear. First of all, this is a meritless, frivolous lawsuit and really just an attempt to sow seeds of doubt about the integrity of our well-established election process and protocols. You know, right at the moment when we anticipated a lot of misinformation was going to target our state from the minute the polls closed to the minute we were about to and, and get very close to having that full tabulation. So uh, recognize it for what it is, an attempt to confuse and obfuscate what actually is a very uh, transparent, secure process in Michigan. That's the Michigan Secretary of State uh, Benson on the Trump lawsuit to stop the ballot counting currently underway there. And let me just say, Michigan (laughs) yesterday had a had a uh, ballot counting center for absentee ballots board up the windows. I mean, put barriers on the windows so that nobody could look in to see what was going on. Now, I'm just going to remind the libs out there of some of the arguments that we've uh, had to have in the past about these things. Liberals love to talk about transparency, right? And they even love to talk about how if you've got nothing to hide, what's the problem? You know, why, why not 
sit down with Mueller's team of attack dogs, Democrat attack dogs for hours and hours and hours. You got nothing to hide, right? Afraid of a little transparency. They're calling these lawsuits frivolous. They're saying that there's no problem. Okay, well, let's see. Let's see. Let's open up the books. Because as we all know, you can't wait on this stuff. Once you have a presidential declaration, and if it seems like it's all said and done, you're going to go back in six months and do a recount then when you've already sworn in President Biden? I don't think so. It's got to be now. It's got to be now. And in legal terms, you call this injunctive relief, right? You got to stop something before the harm happens. And yet you have so many people now who are making these arguments to suggest that Republicans are uh, doing something terrible and wrong by saying that they want to stop the count. Stopping the count of illegal votes would be the required thing to do for a free and fair election. Stopping the count of votes not cast by the election, for example, would be another issue. I mean, that Pennsylvania thinks it can extend the federal election day a few days by not having proof of a postmark is probably going to go up to the Supreme Court. That's the kind of thing that courts exist to decide. Sorry, Pennsylvania, you get to make a lot of decisions, but you don't get to move federal election day. So we'll see what ends up. I remember that was a 4-4 decision, very narrow in the first place. So now we shall see how that one shakes out. But there are plenty of places where we've already had this was in Philadelphia. It was in Atlanta. It's always Democrat strongholds where this is the problem. And I point this out and, oh, they block my tweets and there's problems. It's always in those places where we have a situation, uh, a situation that they can't allow poll watchers in. It's in those states. It's in those cities Why aren't Republican poll watchers allowed to be there if they're misbehaving in some way, if they're breaking the law? Well, then call the police. That's a separate issue. But why would you want to block poll watchers? There's a very clear effort here to prevent the transparency that liberals are so fond of talking about about whenever it's suiting their interests. You know, where are Trump's tax returns? There's so many things you point to. What are you hiding? What are you hiding? Ah. And this is the classic whenever a Republican or a conservative or anybody uh, pleads the fifth on anything, it's oh this person's guilty. And whenever a Democrat does that same thing, it's just exercising their constitutional rights. (laughs) We all understand the double standard. It's ridiculous. But this uh, legal battle is going to escalate. And it is a it is a shame that we didn't have a big winner on election night. I think that would have been better for the country overall, because understand this, whoever wins, the other side is not going to accept it. They may not be able to stop it, but there's not going to be an acceptance of it. Now, for conservatives, that means that we'll say, well, we think Biden cheated, but if he ends up getting through this process and getting Uh, Getting sworn in as president of the United States, if that ends up happening, well, then there will be the issue of trying to stop him and trying to limit his ability to ruin the country. If if Trump wins, they will go completely insane. I mean, the left will make what they've been doing all summer, I think, look like a picnic. I mean, they're going to just 
everything that they can do because because in their minds, remember, they think that the president has stolen the election twice. They think this would be the second time around that the president of the United States, who is a Republican, in this case, Donald Trump, managed to cheat to have the most powerful job, the most powerful position in the whole world. They believe that. Now, I know you and I can sit here and say, ah, come on. This is this is crazy talk, right? Yes. Yes, it is. But that doesn't matter. So was Russia collusion for four years. That was insane. Russia collusion talk was nuts. And we all know it, but they believed it. In fact, they still believe it. Never forget when I was on the Bill Maher show and I said, is there, was there Russia collusion that people at the table, all Democrats and Bill, they all sneered. Yes, there was. Oh, I'm sorry. So the Mueller probe was a fix, too, because they found no Russia collusion whatsoever. None. Zero. And there were a bunch of Democrats who were desperate to find something to destroy the president of the United States with, to throw more of his advisors into prison with. General Flynn still languishing in our court system because of Trump derangement syndrome in the form of a judge. But also in the prosecutors who initially were part of the Mueller probe that brought the charge against him. That's what they're trying to do. That's the way they play the game. And now they turn around and say to us, hey, why are you guys being so rough? Why, why are you trying to fight and bring all these lawsuits? You know who brought all the lawsuits in 2000? Al Gore, the Democrats. And this time around, we're supposed to accept that on election night, Trump was winning. We wake up the next morning. There's all these ballots that are being found that overwhelmingly support Biden. And you're not supposed to ask any questions. In fact, they won't let you ask the questions. That's where we are. It, it's gone beyond, hey, we have a uh, we have an, an issue here. Can we can we hash this out to you're not even allowed to write this stuff or they'll block you. They'll suppress you. I mean, the people that are coming after me with such ferocity. Why am I not allowed to have my opinion about? I mean, they hate me because I know who I am. But why can't I share an opinion about concerns of voter integrity without my timeline filling up with with blue checks, with journos, people with platforms? who are, um, you know, making all kinds of complaints here about how I'm a terrible person and I'm undermining our democracy because I'm pointing out what's obvious, that there are things that are happening here that at least require additional scrutiny. I mean, Arizona was called for Biden by Fox News, and now it's clear it absolutely should not have been called for Biden on that night. If they end up being right in the end uh, about that call, they're just lucky. And there's a very real possibility that the Republicans will flip Arizona into the red column when all the legally cast votes are counted. And that is the key phrase. It's not count all the votes. I, I will tell you right now, when it comes to suppressing the votes of people born in 1880 today, suppressing their vote, I'm OK with that. When it comes to suppressing the votes of people who have been dead for 30 years, I, I, I don't think that makes me a bad person or suppressing the votes of people who somehow have voted two, three, whoever knows how many times or voted in a state that they don't actually live in. I would love to be able to send in a ballot to help out my Republican brothers and sisters in Pennsylvania, but I live in the communist 
People's Republic of New York City. But I could have voted. I'm a U.S. citizen. So why can't I vote in Pennsylvania? Because we have rules. And we either believe in all of the rules and the enforcement thereof, or we believe in the selective application based upon political necessity, which means free for all. So the Democrat position is free for all until they win. The Republican position is let's actually look at what has happened, what the rules are, apply them fairly and evenly and see who won. And if at the end of this, we do get a full accounting, we do we do get the access we need and we can't make the case, which is a different thing from saying it didn't happen. We can't make the case that Joe Biden uh, only was ahead because of cheating in these places. Well, I'll accept I'll accept a loss if I believe a loss is merited here. I'm not saying that's impossible, but I'm saying I'm not accepting it until I know that's what happened. And that's the wartime conservative mentality we all have to have right now. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You ghouls love your evidence-free musings, don't you? That doesn't belong in the news. That belongs in a penny saver column called Dana's Digressions. There's literally no proof for what you're saying. These people are so insane. They think election officials are finding ballots the way George Costanza found that eclair. It's a good ballot, Jerry. It was above the rim. Then this morning, Fox News went to work trying to sustain the deranged conspiracy theory that just counting votes mean magically finding votes because they can't do basic math. That guy's supposed to be a comedian, you know. He's paid millions of dollars by a legacy media network to be an unfunny pain in the ass on TV, but he's, he's supposed to be a comedian. Yeah, really funny, really funny stuff there. Um, I guess we're supposed to just accept when Michigan, for example, in the dead of night, says they found over 100,000 votes and every single one of them went for Biden. And then they came back later and said, oh, OK, you know, we we actually made a made an additional an addition error. So it wasn't that we really found 100. OK, but the people that pointed at that and said, oh, that's a problem. Aren't that aren't they're not the jerks, the people that yell at them saying, what do you mean, conspiracy theorist? They're the jerks. You know, if you're if you're watching a sporting event and and, you know, the the two basketball teams are tied at 60. And then a minute later, one of the teams has an additional 30 points. Pointing at the board and saying, hey, uh, that's a problem doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you not a moron. But they want you to just be insecure. They want you to feel like you don't want to be one of the bad people that are questioning the dominant narrative because, oh, yeah. What does the government do without problems? Do you realize the government pays out every year 60 to 80 billion dollars with a B in Medicare and Medicaid fraud every year billion 60 to 80 billion that's the estimate could even be higher than that and that's just you know they just can't track it all down can't find you know that's just the government writing writing checks to people that are not supposed to be getting them giving payments to doctors for procedures not done giving reimbursements to people for things that never happened i mean what part of government action at this level isn't going to be fraught with problems All we're really talking about here, all the conservatives want, all the the Trump campaign is asking for is that legally counted ballots are the standard. That's it. That the rules be applied. You know, when it was possible to try to throw Trump campaign officials or somebody who was a Trump advisor in prison, 
because of a a process crime, whatever, you know, lying to the FBI about nothing or whatever it was. The law is the law. You'll notice the law is the law and they can use it as a weapon and, and no deference to mens rea, your state of mind when you're committing this crime. Did you actually think you're committing a crime? No, no, no. The law is the law. They will they will tell you there is no room for nuance or anything else if it means that a Republican can get hurt, can get crushed. And so if it's a political weapon for them, exactly what it says is all that matters about about rules, about the law. But in elections, it's more like eh, it's kind of like make this a little bit of a more of a creative exercise. Oh, is this ballot really filled out? No, but I see I see a, uh, you know, in the corner here, I see something that looks like it was a thing and it's kind of close to. The Biden core, the, the Biden circle. And so I'm just going to say, yeah, let's go with that. Friends, it's it's absurd. We see what they're doing. We're aware of what's happening right now. And it's just frankly wrong. It's just wrong. But they've convinced themselves they're saving the country. Right. If you were, you know, when you're the, the basic uh, like one oh one ethics class or you know some of the philosophy class in college you're talking about basic ethics and people will ask these questions like is it is it moral to steal a loaf of bread to feed your starving children right i mean then then people will ask these things and these are questions understand that in democrats minds defeating trump is the proverbial stealing the loaf of bread to feed the starving children it doesn't matter what they have to do All that matters is that it works. Their actions are inherently justified by the righteousness of the cause. That's what's going on all around you now in Michigan, in Arizona, in Pennsylvania, in Nevada, in Georgia. Yeah, and people are so funny, too. They really I can't even keep up with all the the idiotic sick burns they give you on social media. They'll say this looks weird. And then they'll, they'll get all these people to flood your time. And with, well, the, the, the election chair there or the person running it is a Republican. Yeah, OK. That doesn't mean that people who are actually doing the ballot counting aren't being handed a stack of ballots that all say Joe Biden. There's, there's nothing that the, the guy who runs the election being a Republican does to change. But people are so dumb and think they're smart. That's really, I think, actually one of the one of the I wouldn't say it's a defining characteristic, but one of the telltale signs of a liberal is they always think they're about 20 IQ points smarter than they really are. You know, so wherever they are. So if you got a, you know, a lib that's like pre- pretty bright, they think they're a genius. You got a lib that's, you know, pretty average. They think they're really smart. I mean, that, that's just the way that they are because they're surrounded with all these influences that tell them just by believing what they believe politically. They're so bright. They're so wise. Uh, and, and that comes across in the way they even have these kinds of arguments that comes across in the way they approach these political questions. So, friends, like I've been telling you, dig in. Yes, we are wartime conservatives, and this is going to be political trench warfare thanks for listening to the bus sex and show podcast remember to subscribe on apple podcast the iheart radio app or wherever you get your podcasts and now after a long night of counting it's clear that we're winning enough states 
to reach 270 electoral votes needed to win the presidency. I'm not here to declare that we've won, but I am here to report when the count is finished, we believe we will be the winners. We believe we'll be the winners. Okay. Trump says they think they won, but he said it that way in the Trumpian way, and it's a threat to our democracy. It's like he was lighting the Constitution on fire. But when Joe Biden says if when the votes are counted, we will have won because of that of that conditional carve out. Uh, it's it's fine. What he says is fine. No problem. It's all great. Sure. He's also telling us that he's going to be a uniter. And I, I want to address this for a little bit here. The notion of Joe Biden as a uniter under the circumstances. Play 12 here. But I also know this as well. To make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as enemies. We are not enemies. What brings us together as Americans is so much stronger than anything that can tear us apart. So let me be clear. I, we are campaigning as a Democrat, but I will govern as an American president. The, pres- the presidency itself is not a partisan institution. It's the one office in this nation that represents everyone. And it demands a duty of care for all Americans. And that is precisely what I will do. Yeah. Just like the Obama administration was all about all Americans, right? Not about elections have consequences. Deal with it, Republicans. Sorry, my way or the highway. I got a pen and a phone. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. You can't stop me. The media is in my pocket. What are you going to say about it? For eight years, and Joe Biden was a part of that administration, the vice president. Now he wants to be Mr. Uh, you know, jolly old grandpa that we can all count on, wants to bounce us all on his knee. Have him touch my blonde leg hair from the sun and talk to corn pop, man. I was no joke, man. I was out back and I had a I had a chain and corn pop had this rusty, you know, this thing, man. And I said, corn pop. Yeah, sure. Sure, and I suffer depression. I speak Biden, too. Yeah, that's uh, that's the way that it is. I mean, I do remember getting I feel a few times drunk enough in college that I did speak Biden. It's a little bit like what you uh, what you'd hear from the old Star Wars with Jabba the Hutt. That's that's a little bit what uh, what Biden Bidenism speaks like. Bad <laughs> I like that. I like that one, too. But yeah, he's going to govern as an American president. He's going to just kind of yell, you know, all the time. And his phrases will kind of just trail off. No apparent reason. He's going to have a cadence just like this. You know, no joke, man. No joke. Period. Yeah, sure. That's what's going to happen, folks. Um, The problem that Biden's going to come up against, if in fact he does become the president, which is something we do have to take seriously, and it is even probable right now. Doesn't mean it's done. I'm fighting for Trump. I told you we're in the trench, but, you know, just because you're in the trench doesn't mean that uh, the Germans aren't going to overrun (laughs) the trench. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I mean, that's the reality. But we're in that trench. We're going to fight. We're a fight till the end. Um, 
Biden represents a party that wants to use the levers of power to the maximum. You'll, you'll notice that the things the things that Democrats want aren't going to be things that I would say in, in any event. Oh, yeah, that will make my life or your life better. It's not as though they want to focus on certain things that if they accomplish, it'll make life better for you and me. And so we'll be the beneficiaries in some ways of a Democrat presidency. No, it's not the case at all. In fact, if anything, you're more likely to see the kind of international entanglements and the interventionist mentality from the elites that's led to which Republicans absolutely have been guilty up to in the past, but not Trump. But has led to military engagements abroad and long and continued and sustained uh, occupations of foreign countries that we don't want to be in anymore. You're going to have higher taxes. Everybody's going to have higher taxes, which is not going to be a good thing, not going to make you happy. So there's a lot of problems here. There's really no upside. There's nothing I can point to about a Biden presence. Oh, may, maybe, maybe for those of you that are really into uh, more drugs, I know that, uh, was it o- Oregon decriminalized all drugs, cocaine, methamphetamine, heroin, So that's really going to be helpful for that place. Uh, They already have. I mean, this Portland, Oregon has a a pandemic of mental illness that's happening right now. And that's playing out before our eyes with people who are Biden voters and who are Antifa. They they have a they're deranged. I mean, they've got a problem. They need I, I mean, they need need clinical medical assistance. And, you know, it reminds me a little bit of like the berserkers from old from old viking times and the berserkers would get themselves up into a religious inspired frenzy and they thought they were doing this on behalf of of odin and that they would go to valhalla you know their version of the great a kind of heaven for heroes uh, and they would run into battle uh, pretty much naked and put you know paint paint their bodies with different things and they were actually fierce warriors because if you run in there and you're all all jazzed up and decide that you're going to swing that axe around and you don't care if you live or die. In fact, you're hoping that somebody punches your ticket because you're going to go to Valhalla and get to hang out with all the Valkyries. Hey, oh, Valkyries. Yeah, Uh, you're pretty, pretty effective warrior. Antifa is also crazed. I mean, these people are nuts. They're not as brave or as useful as berserkers, of course. But uh, what they do has value to the Democrat Party because we know that at any event where there's a college conservative where any college event where there's a conservative speaker at any time there's going to be a political outcome that the left doesn't like. They can count on their Antifa berserkers, in a sense, to take to the streets, to light things on fire, to throw things at cops. I mean, there was a there was a woman. This was in New York City in the West Village, and there's video of it. There's a, a woman who I think she's from a, a small town in Pennsylvania. And I don't know if she's here studying or, you know, who knows? People come to New York for all kinds of stuff. This must be in her 20s. And she right up in the face of an NYPD officer who's done nothing to her. He's just standing there observing and making sure that laws are uh, laws are respected by this group that did not respect laws. They lit things on fire. They engaged in vandalism, you know, the whole thing disorderly conduct and she looks at him and call she sort of spits out the word fascist in his face and this is right on video i mean you see it and then uh i don't want to say basically just hawks a loogie 
I think that's the, the technical term, right in this cop's face, just spits with, you know, really kind of, I don't want to get too gross again, but I mean, really searches around for a good one and spits right in his face on video. If you're going to tell me that that, you know, 130 pound, uh, 25 year old woman is not out of her mind and needs medical assistance for her mental health issues, apart from the fact that she's an ardent Biden voter. I don't know what to tell you. This is a it is a pandemic of mental illness from these people who are radicalized leftists. We're seeing it all over the place. I mean, if I knew somebody who had done that to a police officer, I, I, I would first of all, <laughs> that's not somebody I would spend any time around or near. But I would assume that that person really needs to be institutionalized, honestly. I mean, really needs serious um, psychological, psychiatric assistance. And this is like standard operating procedure for thousands and thousands of ardent, RBG-loving, Biden-voting, Kamala Harris-worshipping leftists. We're supposed to not pay attention to this? This is not an observable fact that should put people on edge a little bit. What the heck is going on here? But friends, as you know, they'd rather you just ignored all of this. They'd rather that you think that this is on both sides. I mean, that's of all the lies out there. That's among my my least my least favorite. I don't like any of the lies, but that's the one that really bothers me. In, in a special category, um, they just lie and lie and lie again about so many things. But the pretense that our side does what their side does is just beyond. I mean, this is just beyond the pale. Come on. Uh, where, where have there been any riots? They had to call in the National Guard in Portland. And for every person who was rioting and every person who was the justification for that National Guard being called in. There was not, I guarantee you, not a single Trump-supporting registered Republican in the group. And a lot of Biden supporters, and people not, not only who vote for Biden, but who are part of the activist community that's working professionally to support Joe Biden. You know, there are social workers who are also, you know, online and active in groups that are trying to, you know, elevate socialist policies for the Democrat Party to implement in this country, right? These are people, this is a big part of their identity. It's who they are. And Joe Biden is going to be their president. Now, I know he's going to be the president for everybody. If he wins, if he wins, we're just, we're, you know, we're looking at the future pathways here. But if Joe Biden wins, he is going to be a president that is representing the interests of the lunatics in Portland more than he's representing the interests of people that wear MAGA hats and want a country run by common sense. I really wish that the Trump administration, I mean, now it's there's a lot of, of second guessing that's going to go on about this campaign. But just that notion of, the, of, of Trump running a common sense presidency. We've let the left hijack that that term so they can apply it to gun control. And then that, and, and it's not common sense at all. The stuff that they're talking about on gun control is idiotic. It wouldn't help anybody. And it's an infringement on Second Amendment rights. But we've let them get away with with using that terminology with with, you know, applying it to to their side only when really one of the great things about the Trump presidency is the overwhelmingly common sense approach that it takes to so many things.
You know, yeah, it's it's a a rational position to think about Americans' interests as the American government before the interests of the rest of the world. You know, that Trump came in and thought what I can do for the American people is more important than what the U.N. You know, General Assembly vote would show me that that's a revolutionary thought tells you so much that that approach is so different from what we had had in this country before under particularly under Democrats, but even somewhat under Republicans. It tells you a lot about where we are right now and where we're going if we don't pull out a final Trump victory, which I certainly hope we do. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. It will call into question the legitimacy of the democracy for a lot of people. They'll just say that this is baloney. This doesn't work. We keep getting all the votes that in a normal majoritarian race you should win the presidency with. And this system, which dates from a slaveholding constitutional founding, doesn't work for us. Uh, it's very difficult to change, but I, I don't I think it'll deepen cynicism, deepen distrust. It is what it is. It is how the system works. But you can't say that young people coming up, people who worked hard uh, to do whatever they could to get their guy across the line, got him across the line and then see again that because of the system, they don't win. That's going to cast doubt on it for them. Because of the system, you see, if we don't get our way, the system is wrong. But if the system gives us what we want, I actually appreciate what this guy, this guy, Terry Moran at ABC News, again, every bit as left wing and and bullcrap as CNN is, but just a little better at hiding it a little bit better. Not much. Uh, If we get the result we want, then the system is fine. You see, this is where you can understand that the left has no has no comprehension of what principle is. Principle is there are things that are true, irrespective of who that thing being true benefits And if we build a system based upon principles and with rules in place that should be respected by both sides, then the outcome has nothing to do with the legitimacy of the system. But the left wing mentality reverses this around and says to you, the outcome is all that matters. And therefore, if the outcome is not what we want, the system itself is corrupt, decrepit, must be overthrown, must be changed. It's a system as the guy. First of all, the the tide of slavery. They always say this. That's actually historic. The historical illiteracy of liberals about our constitutional system is is amazing. But then again, you know, they they elevate nonsense history all the time as part of the the liberal project. So that's not that's not a surprise. But I, I just want you all to hear this from them so that we all understand. So we all know we're on the same page here that. They only will accept the outcome they like. I am telling you right now, and I hold to this. If if we uh, get, if we bring these lawsuits and we do not have the goods, the proof that there were problems here, that there was either cheating or even just issues that come up that are you know irregularities. There are mistakes that are made in account as well, but those mistakes can result in an improper count. But if we can't prove it, if we don't have if we get access, which is a big question, and can't prove it, and Joe Biden comes out with more votes, Joe Biden's the president of the United States, friends. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, but, you know, this." were there things that happened here with the mail-in ballots and COVID that the whole thing is shady? Yeah, but mail-in ballots are not illegal. 
So let's be clear about that. That that is part of the system. That is part of the rules that we have. How they're counted now and how they're uh, put out on the uh, how the timeline works of when they were sent that really matters. But I I will accept a a loss if a loss is something that ends up being uh, the reality, which I think is is very uh, very possible at this point. The one thing that I will not have an easy time dealing with is if we lose the Senate too. Play clip six. Well, I, I'm not sure whether I'll need to or not. Uh, we we don't know who won the presidential race yet. Um, we'll we'll see what the American people decide they want their government to be. We, I don't know whether I'm going to be the majority leader or the minority leaders. I've told you I've been both. Majority's better, and um, but we're we're awaiting the judgment of the American people. So if that happens which I don't think it will. I think we're going to hold uh, Republicans are going to hold the Senate. But if Joe Biden wins and Democrats take the Senate, it's uh, it is. And I don't say this kind of stuff to you. And I didn't say it when Obama won in 2012, but it's break the glass time. It's like, okay, uh, we're in for a rough ride here, friends, because they will just the same way when Obama had that super majority. What do they do? They they ran through Obamacare, uh, not a single Republican vote. They thought that they were in such a majority position that they could just use the system to get everything that they wanted. Now, what they've realized because of the Trump turnout and the real opposition that they're going to have going forward, they will view it as a once perhaps in a generation opportunity to change the system and get everything that they want done in two years with the House, the Senate and the presidency and a bare majority if they get rid of the filibuster is all they need. So I'm also setting that marker. If we lose, then it's fair and square. Fine. If we lose both the presidency and the Senate, uh, we're going to have to have a talk team about what we're going to do going forward. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Friends, how do we win this fight? What does the battle ahead look like for us if victory is going to be in our sights, uh, we have Dinesh D'Souza with us now. You know him from his best-selling books. He's an author, filmmaker, conservative commentator, columnist, and all the rest of it. Dinesh, great to have you back. Hey, it's great. Good to be on the show. Just give me give me your your macro thoughts right now on where we are, Dinesh. Uh, we, we you know the Trump campaign filing these lawsuits. Uh, how certain do you think we can be at this point that there's the kind of cheating underway? that would change the election outcome unless it's addressed? Well, every indication is that the Democrats have unfurled a sort of broad scheme, and the scheme can be described in in three parts. Number one, flood the country with mail-in ballots. Number two, particularly in Democratic states, states where the local apparatus is democratic, block the close observation and verification of ballots so that fraud can't be easily detected. And number three, um, basically say there's no evidence of fraud and uh, therefore uh, all the fraudulent ballots uh, should be lumped in with all the legal ballots under the generic slogan, count every vote. So in other words, there's no systematic effort to count only legal votes. But from the beginning, this was conceived as a way to ensure that there would be a blurring of the line between the legal and the illegal votes. Very similar, by the way, to the way the left treats immigrants. Legals are lumped in with illegals. 
If you come out against illegals, they say you're against immigration. So the same thing here. If you come out for basically fair, legal voting, they go, you're against counting the vote. They have a very different idea of what counting the vote means than we do. You know, Dinesh, you touch on a few issues here that I've, I've been trying to, to raise for the audience. And, and one in particular, that I just I'd like to hear. I know I'm asking you to essentially play from across the chessboard from their side on this one. But what is the argument that even can be made in these cases where I've seen video and proof in Philadelphia and that that's been verified and reported on of blocking Republican poll watchers? I've seen proof and video um, in Michigan of blocking poll watchers. Why poll watchers are allowed? They're legal. So what's the you know, what are they even saying about this other than shouldn't this look shady to people who are just honest observers? Well, as in as in so many other cases, they don't have to give a reason because their their assumption is we've got the media in our pocket. Nobody's going to ask us tough questions. The conservative reach is smaller than our reach. So same with, you know, with the Bob Ulinsky, um matter and with the, bon- with the Biden scandal, their argument was, let, let's just keep our lips tight on this one. Let's see how many people they can notify about it. Probably not enough. And so the ordinary guy is going to remain in the dark. And therefore, when we say things like, where's the evidence of voter fraud? The ordinary guy goes, well, yeah, I don't really see any evidence of voter fraud. And the reason is, that this is not really just about a dead guy voted here and a dead guy voted there. It's about a systemic form of corrupting the vote uh, so that it becomes no easy way to separate the good from the bad ballots. And the Trump campaign is on it, but they're on it sort of late in the game. They're on it sort of now. But what happens to all the ballots already counted that have been sort of tossed into a single pile? How confident are you, Dinesh, that they'll be able to get the transparency here that the Trump legal team and and these challenges uh, that they will be able to at least find out the the degree and scale of the fraud. I, I hear from people who say, even if we know the fix is in, I mean, they ran the Russia collusion playbook for three years, really four years in a sense, but three years without any real consequences. And even though it didn't have the ultimate aim, they wanted it did hurt the administration. So why should we think that this time around they'll be able to stop it? Not only that, but the Russia collusion had sort of no expiration date. And this does. There's an expiration date, which is essentially inauguration day. And that sets a limit on what courts can actually do. Let's say there's a court that's convinced that there has been widespread cheating, let's say in Nevada. What are they going to do? Have another vote? Uh, Are they going to demand that every ballot be verified? Are they, in other words, a systematic recheck and recount? Or is the court going to say, well, let's try to frame this kind of narrowly, throw out some obviously bad ballots, which would not change the general picture of things at all. Uh, I think we have to watch, uh, we have to press and watch and fight. And then at the end, we have to take stock of what's going on in its widest implications, because certainly if the Democrats are able to do widespread cheating and get away with it, there is no reason to believe that they won't do it all the time and consistently. And what's the point of having an election or even a country when your basic system is at such a level of breakdown that there's not only cheating, but then there's the cover up of the cheating and there's no legal redress to be had. Uh, This is a very serious problem we're speaking to dinesh d'souza best-selling author filmmaker i'm sure you've read and watched and heard his stuff now for many years 
Dinesh, the social media blocking, you mentioned Bobolinsky, the social media blocking that went on there, uh, where the New York Post, I believe for over a week, had its Twitter account locked and the Facebook throttling that went on. Uh, that, that, I think, was a, a pivot point, or that, that was a breaking point, better way to put it, for a lot of people, where they realized, okay, the fix is absolutely in from the perspective of the, of the tech giants. Do you do you think that there's a, a better way or are we reaching are beginning to reach new ways to get out the information? Because I have to say right now, I see stuff that looks real from people that I know in our business who are showing they're showing, you know, documents, screenshots of documents. They're showing video and then it disappears or then I can't click on it. Or, you know, how do we fight an information battle when they've got so many more battleships than we do? Well, I think what this, um, that is true. Uh, I also think that the, um, this is a, a scheme that was thought about by the other side beforehand. Uh, this is, think about, let's look back. When Trump kept talking about election cheating, some of us were like, why is he talking about that? There's, that, that we're not there yet. That doesn't seem, but he, he anticipated this. And so did they, so did the other side. The reason the media was talking about things like, we better make sure Trump doesn't declare victory on election night. Why was that such a big issue for them beforehand? Um, not at the last minute where they might worry about a premature declaration, but beforehand, it's almost like they we have to ensure that that does not happen. Why? Because that's going to give us time overnight to then draw out the process and find the new ballots. Um, I mean, again, Ask any statistician, what is the probability that 138,000 ballots might appear all for Biden, not one for Trump? And what are the odds of that? They're essentially zero. They're the, they're the chance of firing an arrow from a bow and hitting, you know, a bullseye on Mars. Um, that, that's the kind of odds you're talking about. So it seems to me that what the left is saying is it's kind of a massive show of power. They're saying we can do this. We've got the media in our pocket. We're going to count on you to be the namby-pambies that you guys normally are. You'll sulk and scream and shout for a few minutes, and then you'll settle down and accept it. This is sort of the Republican way. Um, and therefore, we'll now ensure that we can keep doing this. And so now we have you over a barrel. This is going to be our game plan going forward. Dinesh, I talk about wartime conservatism to this audience, just meaning that we, uh, we understand the stakes, the way this game is played now, the zero-sum, scorched-earth attitude of the other side. Uh, with that framework what do you want to see the trump team and you know campaign and supporters out there do or just how to view this between now and and whenever this mess finally ends we have to um we can deal with losing uh, uh generally people do you know you can lose a fair fight if the other guy really did knock you out you can lose a fair race uh, as long as you know that people started on the same line, a clock went on, a gun went off, and you came in seventh. Um, but uh, what this shows you is that when you have a system of any kind, uh, it is not important for the people who win to go, oh, the rules are fair, because that's what you expect them to say. The rules obviously will be seen as fair by the people who won, even if they didn't start on the same line. <laughs> the people who run the race, who organize the race, have the obligation of defending the integrity of the rules to the satisfaction of the people who lost. They have to be able to convince the losing side that we know you lost, or we understand you're disappointed, but you did get a fair shot. You had, an, you had a chance to win, you just didn't happen to win. That's not what's happening here. 
The left is basically saying, hey, we got it, we won. Uh, the media is basically saying nothing to see here, folks. Um, and uh, we'll have to see what the court system has to say. But I think longer term, we have to think about, number one, how do we deal with the fact that we don't have a media outreach, not to two or five million people, but to 30 or 50 million people? And one of the very few people in the country who, who has that kind of reach already is Trump. And that's an important just sort of data point to keep in mind going going forward. Uh, the second thing is that we've got to just realize that we are in a new type of fight with a new type of opponent. We need to be a new type of party. Um, and that means that the old Republican way of sort of decorously losing and acting as if our serenity in the face of, of loss is a virtue. Uh, this is something we've just got to stop. Uh, even right now, I can sense some timidity among elected Republicans to run to the side of Trump and say, hey, we're with him on this. It's almost like they feel like we did OK in the Senate. Now let's let Trump fight his own battles and we'll see what happens. But some of them even slyly thinking, well, it won't be the worst thing in the world if he loses because he won't be, you know, he, he won't have the insider track and maybe we can make a better run next time. All this kind of Machiavellian thinking starts creeping in. But these people are, are whistling in the dark if they really think uh, that this is something that's to their benefit. No, uh, if we allow the other side to sort of steal the race, the consequences are very, very bad for us uh, over the long haul. You think Trump still has a chance of pulling this thing off? I do. I wouldn't give him a, a good chance or an over 50 percent chance just in terms of the in terms of the quote declaration of victory. Uh, I'm worried about what the courts can do. Uh, see, the, the, the media is moving into a situation where they want to create a fait accompli. He's won. That's it. Uh, let's start, you know, it's time for prize day. It's time for us, the transition team. It's time to start worrying about the coronavirus um, um, uh, stimulus package. So they're going to want to move on really quickly. And they will do a lot at this point to appease us, to say, in effect, oh, you know, this is not, a, we're not enemies. And, you know, this is just an election. Your life's going to go on, go on as normal, et cetera. So there's going to be a sort of an attempt to sort of drug us into a certain kind of lethargic submission. Uh, but uh, I think we have to press for every available measure. Uh, and we have to show some of the same admirable kind of determination that the other side consistently shows. Think of what the Democrats would do if the situation were reversed. To the mat. <laughs> no question about it. They would go all out. And I think that's very important for everybody listening right now to know. Because if we don't match them in that that ferocious determination, at least to get to the truth, and I agree with you about losing a fair fight, and I've been saying that all along, but now we got to make sure this fight's actually fair. Dinesh D'Souza, everybody, follow him on social media if you're not already, on Twitter, on Facebook, and uh, check out his latest movie. Dinesh, thanks so much. Always good to see you. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. You know, I think Joe Biden thinks and knows and feels very strongly that job number one when he gets back is to expedite a vaccine to really rid this country of the uh, virus. Isn't that amazing? They're, all, they're already starting with this. And I, I know that we've got this election battle to focus on, and, and I don't want to divert from the, the, primary, the primary engagement too much here. But you can be sure, and that was some guy on MSNBC, you can be sure that if Biden ends up as the president and guys, we, we're get, we got to we got to face the reality that that could end up happening here. 
And it may even be fair to say it is a better than 50-50 shot that's going to happen. I, I think it is. I think the odds now are probably 60-40 Biden over Trump. I think that's, and I, I always tell you the truth, and that's where, I, that's where I would say we are right now. Might even be 70-30. Uh, but you have weeks to go before what will be the monumental achievement, assuming everything goes according to plan, and it looks like it is. Uh, weeks to go before you'll have the emergency authorization of a vaccine that will be already produced. Usually a vaccine maker goes through the very arduous and intensive process of making sure it's safe and then making sure it's effective. And you got you know huge trials you got to do. It's wildly expensive, you know, and and in this instance, what they were able to do was to build up vaccine as they went. So they were menu. They said, this is the vaccine we're going to try. We're confident it's going to work. And they were making the product beforehand. Right. So it, instead of like developing a chocolate chip cookie and seeing if people like it and if it sells, they were developing the perfect chocolate chip cookie. And we're already making warehouses full of that cookie for when they're finally going to stores with it. I don't know if that analogy was necessary or not, but I'm thinking about cookies right now. So kind of hungry but they will take credit mark my words operation warp speed will just be taken by the biden administration put in its back pocket and they'll be saying see we we and and this is the part that's going to annoy me the most i mean there's so much about this that's going to drive me insane you know this but they will say there's a national mask mandate and then they'll distribute the vaccine that trump and his administration and his team and all the resources they arrayed actually handed to them. And the Biden team will distribute that vaccine while annoying the crap out of us with these idiotic mask mandates and these continued closures and all the fear monging around this. And as finally the virus does recede because largely of vaccine and herd immunity, uh, you know, they'll be saying, see, it's because of our it's because of our mask mandate that this is happening we listen to the science and we're the ones that deliver the vaccine. So it's almost like the Trump team has run the football up to the five yard line. And now a different team is being handed the ball and they get to just run it up the middle and say, see, look, look at how great we are. Uh, I'm just telling you, be prepared for it right now. I see this coming a mile away. And anybody who's honest, any observer that understands what's happening will say, uh, you guys, in, you guys inherited this vaccine. Like, what, what do you mean? That you're not really responsible for that? They'll be saying, no, how dare you? We listen to the science. That's right. In between uh, bites of food, masking up and listening to the science. That's what they'll tell you. So another look, there's nothing happy about this. I just want you to be prepared for it. They will take credit for that vaccine. Thanks for listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, let's take a deep dive into what's happening in some of these battleground areas and also a little bit of a postmortem from election night about the turnout game and any lessons learned already. For that, we turn to our friend Ryan Godusky. He is the author of They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the national populist revolution ryan great to have you back man thank you for having me again so let's first start with what are you seeing i know you're following this very closely what are you seeing in the specific battleground states where these legal challenges and all the 
alleged ballot shenanigans are going on. I mean, well, what can you tell us about Pennsylvania and Georgia first? Okay, so Georgia, Trump looked like he had a comfortable margin at first. They had, uh, as of 6 o'clock this morning, they had 25,000 votes left, only 5,000 from Fulton County, which is the area of Atlanta. It looked like he was going to pull out a narrow victory. And then they announced that they have 35,000 more uh, uh, ballots statewide. So they have between 50 and 60. Some counties counties underreported by 100% of how many absentee ballots they are. It's not all terrible. A large portion of those are in Trump-friendly counties. A lot do come from Savannah. Savannah is, I think it's called Chetworth County. That is the county where they told Republican poll watchers that they were going to stop counting votes and to go home, and then they continued counting them. And that's where the state of Georgia is currently suing that county for their shenanigans on election night. Um, so it's it's not looking great for the president in Georgia, but it's not as terrible as if they were all coming out of uh, out of Atlanta. Over in Pennsylvania, the court has ruled the the ballot watchers. I've been speaking to ballot poll watchers inside Philadelphia for the last 24, 48 hours. They are now forced to stand behind a barricade 10 to 15 feet from where the uh, where the ballots are being actually counted and tabulated and sorted. Their fear, and I don't have any evidence, so I don't want anyone getting ahead of themselves, but their fear is they don't know and they can't tell if any of these votes are being counted twice, if there's overcounting going on. Um, And usually, in every other case, they have poll watchers looking over the shoulders of the people sorting the polls. They're 15 feet back. They can't see them. They were also, in certain poll sites, they were kicked out. Of the voting, uh, of, of watching the voting, of uh, watching the voting tally happen, um, a court, I think it was the appellate court in Pennsylvania, ruled that they are, they have to be allowed, um, and then I think they went on a lunch break right after that. Here's the essential problem right now: Biden staff, Biden has lawyered up, and he lawyered up way before election day. The Trump campaign did not have enough lawyers on the ground in any major state. They just didn't. It was a lot of inexperienced people and a lot of people who did not, you know, prepare for a 24 hour, you know, fight where they were going to be up all night long sitting there and doing this. This is the problem that happened in Wisconsin. Wisconsin came out in the middle of the night and 3.30 in the morning and counted 100,000 votes, almost all for Joe Biden. This was after they announced they had stopped counting. So these numbers, I don't want to sit there and say they're illegitimate. They could be completely valid, valid votes. I don't know. No one knows. And the problem is they're not letting Republican pollsters in there and poll watchers in there. And they're and the the Trump campaign at the very beginning did not have enough lawyers there to sit there and make challenges immediately as it was going on. Now, it's it's not contested then at this point, or rather, it's a matter of reported fact. What you said about places that, for example, in, in Savannah, that part of Georgia, they yes, said go is, home is, and then they counted and then they counted more ballots after so that that happened that did 100 percent happen yes and now they're suing over those ballots but we don't know we don't because there was no one there we don't know if a ballot was destroyed if extra ballots were brought in we do not know and the poll watchers were told to go home to stop counting usually in my experience and i've been on campaigns since i was 19 years old i'm 34 now um or 33 now rather um the the you don't leave until they leave, until the lights are out, until the door's locked, and you sit in your car for an extra hour. There was not, there was really no game plan or training. Also, 
the Georgia GOP has made a serious error in how they were handling COVID. In New York City, in New York State, a uh, state of similar size to Georgia, we all had to sign. We don't have voter ID laws, but we have to sign to sit there and validate our vote. If the signature doesn't match and it's off by a lot, that can be fought out in the courts if it needs to be in a tight election of being invalidated signatures and, and people voting that don't match their signatures. Georgia decided this year because of COVID, they didn't want ha- have to have people sign. So no one signed. People just showed up with an ID. That is extremely, extremely, extremely problematic in the case of a tight fight. We don't know whether or not people were sign- going for, go for other people, uh, what the situation was at all. By not having a signature to at least back up the ID, it's extremely problematic, and it was a major flaw on behalf of the Georgia GOP. Speaking of Ryan Gerdusky, and he is an author and a guy who understands the political game and how this stuff all goes. Um, about the the issue here of the Midwest, you have some thoughts on what's going on in Michigan, Wisconsin. First, I mean, is, is it your belief that those states, even with the legal challenges that are underway or that may still come, those states are lost and that? There's something it, it we- seems like Michigan has lost. Wisconsin is going to be a very, very, very hard-fought fight to sit there and do it because, as I said, these 100,000 ballots came at 3.30 in the morning, and there was a huge uptick all of a sudden in voting. I will say this of, of Wisconsin because that is the state I paid attention to the most. Wisconsin had a nearly 90% turnout statewide. It is close to unprecedented, if not unprecedented itself. Huge turnout, not just in the inner cities, but also in Trump counties. Out of the 23 counties that Trump flipped from Obama in 2012 to Trump in 2016, he improved in 22 of those 23 counties. He improved remarkably, and they had 90% turnout or above in 22 of the 23. Tremendous. I mean, they could not have polled more. Here's where the entire campaign that Jared Kushner put together was ill thought out. In the Midwest, in in the nation as a whole, there are 44 million non-college educated white Americans who are not registered to vote. In the state of Wisconsin alone, it is 900,000. In Pennsylvania, it's 2.6 million. Ohio has 2.5 million. And Michigan has 2 million. That is the Trump base. Those are Trump voters if they were registered to vote. In those 23 counties that Trump got a a much larger vote turnout, those Obama counties, voter registration declined by 8,000. There was 8,000 fewer voters in those 23 counties, even though population went up. So Jared ran this very aggressive and successful, mind you, campaign on Hispanic and black voters, and that paid off big time in Florida, big time in Texas, and we'll see in Nevada or, or Arizona. But he had an amazing get-out-the-vote effort on the part of reaching out to Hispanics. Not trying to register 10% of non-college-educated whites who are not registered to vote, 44 million nationwide, and in the important Midwestern states, it's 8 million. By not trying to register 10% of them, that is what's going to cost them this election because there's no amount of voter fraud, no amount of shenanigans, nothing that would have competed if he would have registered 10% of the 900,000. It wouldn't it wouldn't have mattered what happened. And that is the ultimate flaw right now of the entire Trump re-election campaign, not focusing enough on the working white class. Tell me about the ongoing rolling absentee ballot issue. 
So in, it depends on what states – every state is different, right, on what, what their absentee ballot laws are. Some have to be delivered by the day after Election Day. Some are allowed two days. Some are allowed three days. Some, some of these – I live in New York City. I spoke to people you know, in the know in New York yesterday. I asked them, how many ballots are you getting day after election? And they said very few. For some reason, in these states, we are seeing a large amount in the number of tens of thousands coming in day after election. Once again, could be completely legitimate ballots. A hundred percent, I don't know. But they are having rolling, high turnout absentee ballots out of these places. I'll say one more thing about Milwaukee. There's been a lot of people talking about how Milwaukee had higher turnout than they had voter registration. That is true in several precincts. But people need to remember that Wisconsin has day of voter registration. So people could go to the polls that day and just register. And it looks like they probably did in Milwaukee. Still, having 120% turnout in some of these precincts is incredibly high. And it is a little suspicious. And the DOJ should look into that. The only chance they have in really looking at these states right now is looking for double ballot, double voting, and looking to sit there and see if the signatures match. I know in Nevada it should be a huge issue, in Wisconsin it should be a huge issue. They should go there and say, do the signatures actually match the person? In Michigan, there's been several cases now, documented cases of dead people voting and dead people on the registration. I was about to ask you about that. There are definitely yes, there. dead person votes that have happened, right? There is definitely dead person votes. Primarily, they've shown in Michigan, because Michigan, you can look up if a ballot was cast by the name. And so far, they've looked up. One guy was born in the 1800s. <laughs> Several other people are long dead. Oh there God. are votes coming out of it. Even Dave Wasserman, who is a liberal, and he's generally wrong about everything. Even Dave Wasserman said he finds it incredibly strange that Detroit, a city that is declining in population every single year and did not have automatic voter uh, uh, mailers coming to them, had an 11 percent increase in the number of raw votes coming from 2016. They had a declining population, and they had an 11% increase in overall voting. That is quite that's, – that's a large, large, large number out of, out of Wayne County in Detroit. If so, somebody was going to cheat, let me just ask you this. Based on what we've seen here, what would be the most effective way to cheat in this cycle if somebody was doing that? You know, war game it for me from the bad guy perspective. Well, I mean, the easiest way to cheat is to sit there and get an absentee ballot – and fill it out for somebody and mail it in for them. Signatures don't have to. If you're if the, if no one's checking the signatures and they don't match, doesn't really matter. You can effectively collect people's absentee ballots and and vote for them. So ballot harvest, like so, you could have somebody who ballot harvests absentees. That's not ballot harvesting. Ballot harvesting. No, no, I, I know, but I'm saying you you could have somebody who goes around and takes a bunch of absentee ballots, harvesting those ballots, and then sends them in. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's that's easy because there's no evidence, there's no proof. There's also, I mean, if you wanted to cheat, if somebody was ballot harvesting, taking ballots from people before they get into the poll sites. This is all before they enter the poll sites. When they get in, once they get into the, and also voting for somebody. If you don't have a secure form of a, a voting ID, voting for somebody, absolutely an easy way to sit there and cheat the process. The big fear in a lot of these places, and it's not like we have never had, you know, people steal elections before. In 1960, Kennedy stole the election from Nixon. So it's not like we've never seen this before. Um, the old machine way of politics is really kind of outdated. That doesn't really exist anymore. Um, but the, the the fact that they are not 
plowing Republican poll watchers in any of these deeply Democratic areas um, is troublesome. And they're, the DOJ should immediately look into it. And these rolling absentees, people need to double check on who's voting, how they're voting, if they are even living in the state. The, pre- the Trump administration's um, the Trump administration sat there and said that 10 percent of the Nevada votes are people who don't live in the state anymore. We saw with automatic voter registration, voter, uh, voter uh, not registration, automatic uh, absentee ballots being delivered to people that people were getting ballots for people who had not lived at the residency for some time. So that could absolutely be the case. That should 100 percent be checked out right now in any state that did uh, did automatic absentees. Um, All those things need to be looked at immediately uh, because that would be the absolute easiest way to sit there and swing an election for or against the president. Ryan Gruduski, everybody. This guy knows his stuff. Check out his book. Um, I I highly recommend you pick it up now. It's available on Amazon. Uh, They're not listening. How the elites created the national populist revolution. Ryan, thanks so much for your time, man. We'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. I was sitting here thinking Arizona and thinking John McCain and Cindy McCain and, frankly, uh, now former Senator Jeff Flake, who endorsed Joe Biden. But much more. It's much more of the McCain legacy. And I I mean, I'm sure you're talking to people who are close to to John McCain, that it's John McCain's last, last laugh, if, in fact, his state, his beloved adopted state of Arizona goes for Joe Biden, his old friend who spoke at his at his funeral, who eulogized him, whom he met uh, when he when he uh, John McCain was an aide uh, to then Senator Biden and other members of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. I mean, can you imagine the poetry of that if it happened? You can almost tell there, there's a real love that Democrats have for Republicans who stab other Republicans in the back. I mean, there's there's a particular delight that Democrats take in talking about figures within the GOP, GOP elite circles who, because they put country first, decide to light the Republican Party on fire. You know, Um, that tells you a lot, I think, about what we how we should view such actions. It tells you a lot about uh, our what our perspective on all that should be. But speaking about Arizona specifically, Rachel Maddow got a bit of a surprise last night when there was some new news about Arizona. Play it. Of the new votes that were just reported out, Donald Trump won 43,000 966 of them. Joe Biden won 30,322 of them. Donald Trump is getting around 59% of these votes. That's crazy. Yeah, so that is, remember the three buckets here. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. It ain't over yet, folks. 88%. reporting in Arizona. But remember, there also can be recount scenarios. There are legal challenges. That is on a knife's edge, that election. And I I don't care what ends up happening. It was it was irresponsible of Fox News to call that the night that they did. They could end up still being right, but they're just lucky if they end up being right. There is no way that they could have known 
how tight this would be. I mean, we're, this, this, this race is going to end up determined. I mean, the race in Arizona specifically, it's going to be 40 or 50,000 votes, friends. You, you think they could see that with over 3 million ballots cast that they, could have t- they, they knew with so few votes in that it would come down to 40, 50,000 votes? No, it's a coin flip situation. It's a binary, one or the other. And so if they end up being right, they're going to say, oh, look, we we're right. But the truth is, if they're right, they were just lucky, lucky. But I, I will not forget. I've been saying this to you. I know there are some GOP figures, some esta- some establishment rhino types in Arizona. And look, I'm just going to say it. John McCain's tenure as a Republican politician. Uh, there's a lot that we now know about what's really best for the country And, you know, John McCain was the guy who was saying, if we have to stay in Afghanistan another 50 years, that's fine. John McCain was a guy who at one point was saying, build the dang fence. And when he was trying to get elected and then later on was Mr. You know, let's talk about an amnesty. John McCain, you know, we go on and on here. But this is a guy who, as a politician, I'm sorry that we got we got a lot of problems with what he never mind the spiteful decision to turn his back on the GOP when they were trying to do even a skinny repeal, as it was called, of Obamacare. But Romney, McCain, uh, Jeff Flake, I mean, these these kinds of individuals, I know, you know, John McCain's passed away, but Romney and McCain, I'm sorry, Romney and Flake, they think the GOP is going back to them. And what they haven't yet figured out is based on even just what we saw in this election. It's Trump's GOP, whether he's president or not for the next four years. Thanks for listening to the Bus Sex and Show podcast. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Team Buck, it's time for roll call. Roll call, everybody. Facebook.com slash Buck Sexton. Team Buck at iHeartMedia.com. If you want to email us. And always remember, you can listen to the Buck Sexton podcast, uh, which is going up. Plenty, plenty, uh, plenty of time to listen on your way home from work. And listen to the Buck Sexton podcast on the iHeartRadio app. You can subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store or on Spotify. You will love it. It is fantastic. I highly recommend it. And it's the easiest way to share it directly with friends. You spread that podcast around past the buck. And, uh, you know, things like the Dracula podcast. We got Malta coming up. That'll be before Thanksgiving. We'll do uh, two Siege of Malta episodes. Uh, that Then that's at least the schedule. That's the plan. So we got, we got a lot, a lot happening, my friends. And uh, you should be a part of it. And, oh, you can also send us roll call messages on Instagram. Just direct message us on Instagram. And we'll we'll sift through all of the um, all of the bots that are like, I want marry you. Give me bank account. And I'm like, hmm, I don't think so. I I think I'm going to skip that one. Uh, All right. Diane writes, Buck, I'm asking this out of ignorance and hope you can answer. Is there a mechanism which could hit a giant pause on the election process? To stop inauguration until lawsuits are resolved. I simply ask because I'm old enough to remember when LBJ had dead people voting for him and looking at it as an oldie but goodie strategy. Apparently, there's been at least one such such instance in Michigan. 
Shields High, thanks for all you continue to do. Diane, I I don't know of such a mechanism. I don't think it exists. I believe constitutionally a president will be. And there's this very uh, intricate process. Uh, the, the president will be determined by Inauguration Day. I mean, they've, they've got a lot of eventualities and possibilities. And it could get even more complicated. Here's just the pathway to a 269 269 tie in the Electoral College. Mark, play, play clip three. Without, without Georgia, if Biden is able to hold on in Georgia, is there a path for Trump that includes Arizona and Pennsylvania? Oh, boy, look what you just did. If, if uh, Georgia Biden comes goes, off the board yeah. and goes to Joe Biden and Nevada goes to Donald Trump, we're in a 269-269 tie. That's what would happen. I'm there. sorry I said no. <laughs> <laughs> I was not trying to run you into that wall. Yeah. 269, 269 tie. That'd be nice. Then it reverts. Oh, yeah, everyone's going to be really cool and mellow about that. Then it, you know, no, no one's going to completely freak out if we reach a straight up electoral college tie. But then, producer Mark, it goes to the House of Representatives and then by state delegation, not by electoral college numbers. The state itself determines which president they'd go for, and Republicans actually have an advantage there. But, uh, Mark, do you think that if, if that ended up happening, if we got to a tie scenario, and then the House of Representatives, the Democrats actually lost through that process, you think they'd say, well, that's the system we have, and the Founding Fathers were geniuses, so let's respect that. I think no matter who wins in that scenario, nobody, the other side will not accept it. You yep. know that. Yep. Not going to happen. No one's going to be like, oh, yeah. Well, of course, the old, the classic reverted to the house and, uh, you know, zippity doodah, there we go. I mean, you know, nope, that's not going to be not going to be the way that it goes. That's not going to be the way that it happens. Next up here, Evan Buck loved the show. Original Saturday Squad, safe and warm at night, et cetera, et cetera. Evan, of course, you are original Saturday Squad because you know that we keep you safe and warm at night. If you're thinking about having conservatives move to swing states to shore up red majorities, a la Californians exporting their liberal nonsense to other states, consider moving to Michigan. Detroit has halved its population over the last few decades, and it wouldn't take too many conservatives to uh, turn Detroit purple and flip Michigan solid red. Well, Evan, I really appreciate the thought. And thank you for, for bringing this to my attention. Um, I've seen there's a lot of old, beautiful buildings in Detroit that you can actually buy for very little money, but you have to agree to put a lot of money into them to rehab them. And that would be very interesting to me. The problem I have with, with moving in Detroit is uh, my understanding is that the winters there are brutal. Uh, very, very, very cold. And I'm not somebody that really gets excited about, about that. So, producer Mark, do you want you think you're going to relocate to Michigan or is Florida still top of the list? If I relocate somewhere, it's certainly not going to be somewhere colder than where I live now. Yeah, I'm just not I'm not really a, a cold weather. You know, the snow princess comes. That's why I call it the snow princess from a very, very cold part of the country. And um, she she's like already equipped and ready to go whenever it's a cold day. She just she can just handle it. I'm I get cold and I don't like that. I like to be warm. Uh, Sarah, I'm here in, in uh, Washington drowning my sorrows in tonic water. Just straight tonic sadness water. Hmm. As I write this, things are looking grim for President Trump, the House and the Senate. 
Add to that, we voted in Jay Inslee again, and icing on the cake, we voted in comprehensive sex education. What has become of my beautiful home state? The moving truck is booked. My family and I are leaving my home of nearly 50 years. Um, well, Sarah, first of all, I, I understand your frustration with the uh, political outcomes here, but where are you going? Producer Mark and I are curious. Uh, yeah, so that that would be very interesting to me. I, I got to say the Pacific Northwest, I just think that's one of the most beautiful parts of the whole country. Cannon Beach in Oregon is is uh, is an amazing place. I spent some time there. I've never been to Washington State. I, it's a place I really want to go. I'd probably go to Seattle, which I think is very commie. Didn't they? Yeah, they set up the autonomous zone uh, this past year, which did not end well, which every person who was not an idiot knew the moment they said they were setting up an autonomous zone. But apparently some lessons have to be learned the hard way, producer Mark. You know what? They gave it the college try. They did give it a shot. You know, I, I'd say that they were like, you know what? Let's create a little Marxist utopia uh, but, you know, Producer Mark, when you run out of toilet paper and there's no police, when people start getting robbed in the in the uh, Marxist utopia, it's not good. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a fun place to live. Yeah. I'm not going to make the top Amer- American places to move list did you anytime ever, soon. Did you ever see the movie The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio? Uh, it doesn't ring a bell. You would like that one. You and Mrs. Mark could watch that one together. It's He's on vacation in Thailand. And he manages to find a secret map to take him to a beach. I believe the beach is actually at a place called like the film where the filming took place at PP Island, which that's what it's called. Uh, And it's you have to take a boat to get there. Obviously, it's an island and uh, it's very, very beautiful. But they film this movie there and it's you would enjoy it. I mean, it's like it's like life is perfect. And then human beings mess it all up in their perfect place. I would do anything to get to a beach sometime this year, but I know it's not going to happen because of King Cuomo. Yeah, I know. No, no, no beaches in my future either, my man. Anyway, uh, that'd be nice. I don't know. I might, I might try to book some. I don't even know if I'm allowed to. Are we going to be allowed to leave the country? Like, if you were, if you and I wanted to go down and bring our respective ladies to a Jamaica for the weekend in in December, you know, after the holidays, could we even do that? See, that's I don't even the, know. That's the problem. Me and you probably could because we can quarantine, we can do the shows from our houses, but my wife cannot. She works in healthcare, so she's not going to she would have to take an extra 2 weeks off. Wait, so we if we leave, we're supposed to quarantine, we come back? Now? I believe they changed the rules now. It's basically every state other than Jersey, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania that you have to now be tested before you start your travel to New York quarantine for three days and be tested on the fourth day and have to test negative then you can stop quarantining i mean that's that's just wild dude. yeah this is we're, this is and we're that's technically in, loosening the restrictions buck we're living in crazy town we're living in crazy town i don't know what else to say people you know they've they've over they've overtaken they've overtaken the airwaves and they've they've managed to brainwash so many people it's it's just so sad anyway sarah write back and tell us where you're moving after 50 years, we're curious to see where you're going to go. I mean, if you're in Washington, you know what I would say would be a great move? Idaho. Great state. Love Idaho. Great people. Nice weather. Great potatoes. Potatoes, which honestly, one of my favorite foods, much to the chagrin of my efforts to fit into my, you know, custom suits. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, potatoes. Um, 
A lot of good things. You can like buy all the guns you want. You, you know, you, you spend for the amount of money that you can get a and I'm not even exaggerating, being serious for the amount of money you could get a 400 square foot studio apartment in Manhattan. You move, you know, around Boise, Idaho, you get a beautiful four bedroom house, four bedroom house or a 400 square foot studio apartment in Manhattan. Your choice, folks, your choice. Oh, and I think Idaho has very low state taxes. I don't know what the taxes are. They're not, I don't think it's zero. I think it's low, but anyway, all right, it's producer Mark's already, he's already picked out uh, Delray, Florida. So, you know, I get it. I get it. All right, uh, Alice, hey Buck, thanks for all your great coverage of this crazy election. I've had a bad feeling about the Biden campaign's lack of actual campaigning for a while. Are we seeing the answer, as in coordinated fix in his favor? Buck, nothing makes sense in this election. I'm not generally one who engages in conspiracy theories, but the evidence is overwhelming if you consider the Dems' behavior for the past four years. Your thoughts? Uh, You know, look, Alice, I think there's plenty of reason to be worried about tampering and cheating in the election. But, I, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that we have proof that it's been... I'm, I'm at the phase now, so everyone listening to this is very clear. I just want proof that everything is going the way it's supposed to go. Given the stakes and some of the irregularities and some of the early... That's all I'm asking for. But that's going to require access, and it might require some court, uh, some court-ordered changes to, you know, this, the, the current procedure as it's being done in some places. So, but that's all I want. I, I think that's totally fair and legitimate. If we find out there's actual cheating going on, then we got a whole other problem, right? But we're not going to know unless we look. So that's what I would, that's where I'd say I am. And uh, as for, yeah, the Democrats, yeah, you can't trust them. You just can't trust them. That's the the problem with Democrats. You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Next up, we got David. The sorry thing about all this is that if Biden actually does win, all the investigations into him and his family and Hillary and the rest of the clowns will go away because we still have a corrupt deep state. Uh, Adam, that is true. If Biden wins, uh, the getting to the bottom of the Hunter Biden, the, the, the chance of that happening becomes effectively zero. It will not happen. It will not occur. I just want ever I want everyone to be very clear on that, right? If in fact Biden wins the election, you will never find out if 10% for the big guy actually happened. Do you think for one second anybody in a Biden administration DOJ, which includes then the FBI, feel you wanted a miracle? I gave you the FBI. Uh, do you think that anybody inside the FBI would bring any kind of investigation whatsoever against a member of the first family or, or against the president himself? No, that only happens to Republicans. Why? Because we just don't have the same insane stop at nothing, burn down the Republic to save it mentality that they do. I don't know what else to tell you. Only Republicans get that kind of treatment. You know, you're, you're if you're a Democrat, you're not going to you're going to be immune. A Democrat president is immune from the kinds of uh, investigations we've seen against the Trump administration. And for people going to say, oh, but Buck, what about Clinton? Um, Bill Clinton was involved in activity that was, in fact, highly suspicious 
that was confirmed. He did lie under oath. He was sexually harassing women. He was engaged in inappropriate behavior. And the Whitewater land deals, you know, they just made that whole thing go away. And that was based on the lying and the, the way the media covered up for them back then. So nothing happened to him. Even though he lied under oath, nothing happened to him. So, you know, that was kind of like, okay, well, I guess our side, you know, our side has to worry, but the Democrats don't. David, the sorry thing about all this is if Biden actually does win all the investigations into him. And, oh, that we already did that one. Adam, Buck, Trump has an extremely short window to expose the ballot irregularities once Biden is in. Absolutely everything and everyone will disappear down the memory hole. Shields high. Adam, same same idea. And you are correct. If Biden, if Biden becomes the president, it's over. You're never going to get answers about what happened with Russia. Uh, Hunter collusion um, with Ukraine stuff with Hunter Biden. With China, you'll never find out if there was election cheating because the people in positions to look into it will all be taking orders from the big guy, Joe Biden himself. And you think they're going to want to mess with that? No, they will not. There will be no accountability. There will be no way to stop the Biden stuff from continuing on in the way that it had. So that's where we are. Zippy. Hey, Buck. With what looks like Biden winning and the Republicans keeping the Senate, how much damage can Biden do through executive order? The Senate will obviously block his absurd policies about the Green New Deal and taxes. Just wasn't sure how much a president can do through executive order. Um, Zippy, that's a good question. And there's what the president should be able to do, what a President Biden will try to do, and what a President Biden tries to do and gets away with, even with court challenges to it. And those are all different things. Uh, I, I think that there's not that much to be worried about, but uh, there will be stuff. I'd have to think more about what he's going to try to do. They'll try to push some of the amnesty stuff, you know, DACA, DAPA, those kinds of things through executive order, saying it's a law enforcement issue. That's for sure. Dennis, Uncle Buck, I also became an uncle recently. It's the best. All the fun parts, all the fun parts of parenting with none of the crappy ones, pun intended. Just notice today the CNN COVID death toll tracker has been removed as they cover the election. Maybe it will go back up someday, but just an interesting note, passing the buck every day shields higher than ever. Dennis, thank you so much for passing the buck. And yeah, all of a sudden, you know, COVID is not going to be the constant source of crippling fear if Biden wins, according to the media, because Biden's leading us out of it. Oh, who's been predicting that all along? Yours truly, but that's what we got. Team, more on all this tomorrow. Get ready for it. Shields high.